This week on The Sport Blokes. This week we unpack some of the massive stories from a surprisingly smooth Olympics. The medal we've all been waiting for has finally arrived for the Boomers. Yes. Who is that man in the dress? And we find out when a free shot isn't such a great idea. Back to our normal schedule this week, Shui. Let's go. It is 9pm exactly on Tuesday the 10th of August. Back to our normal schedule, Shui. As we do at the top every week, what caught your attention and what'd you miss? So we've had a few things to notice in the world of sport. There's a couple in particular that really stuck out to me. So the first one was a tweet from a place called the Crowbar and Grill in Michicot, Wisconsin. They tweeted before game six saying, come watch the Milwaukee Bucks at Crowbar Tuesday night, beer specials during the game and get a free shot on every Giannis free throw made. <laughs> 17 each? He made 17. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, there have been a lot of drunk people in that bar. Yeah. Speaking of ouch and speaking of drunk people in Wisconsin, oh. I saw an article that nearly 500 COVID cases have been attributed to the Deer Park Rock. Oh, Park really? Park. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah well, so that, that massive pit of unmasked Bucks fans. Well, 65,000 it was. Hmm. So it's actually a fairly low number, all things considered. Oh, it is, but it's 500 cases. Oh, it's five, not need yeah, to happen. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely not. Agreed. Um, just quickly, Lionel Messi finally made the move to Paris Saint-Germain, which is huge. Yes. Changes the landscape of football worldwide there. And then I think the other thing I really wanted to talk about that caught my attention is probably something you want to talk about as well, which is this the Whistleblower podcast. Ah, uh, yes. Now, it's actually been nearly a full year since it was released, and I did read stuff about it when it did come out, but I finally started listening to it a few days. I actually smashed through it in, in two days, mm. and I let you guys know at the pub on Friday night, and I believe you've started now as yeah, well. Yeah, um, I think I've got four episodes of the 13 left before I'm finished now as well. Yeah, I guess the, uh, I won't go into too much detail here, because there is a bit of a narrative arc to it. Uh, and I tell you what, if you're the sort of kid that cried when you found out that Santa wasn't real and you're an NBA fan, maybe don't listen. Because it's the, not... If you're the sort of adult who still thought Santa was real, our apologies. Yes, it's not good listening, is it? Well... It is and it isn't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing listening. It's not great listening for the likes of Scott Foster, though. Yes. I think Chris Paul's going to be a very interested listener to that if yes, he hasn't already. Yes, oh, he would have because it was... I think the last episode came out in October last year. So, yeah, okay. So the, the entire season this year has been played having that already come out. What I found really interesting about it, though, and, and again, I won't go into too much detail. People can listen. But Rachel Nichols always talks about the last two minutes report. Mm. And basically what they talk about in one of the later episodes, and you might not be there yet, is not. basically that they don't fix it at the end anymore. Mm. They fix it at the beginning of the second quarter. So that is the time to really look out for dodgy calls because mm. that's, you know, that's when you can load up a bloke on fouls. So he has to sit on the pine and yeah, yeah, it's pretty scary listening. It really is. A couple of other things for me, Shui. I noticed that uh, Gavin Wanganeen was on Survivor. I don't think I'm giving away a spoiler. That was probably, what, six or seven episodes ago. It moves very quickly. So. Yeah, he but did, in, did not last long. No, in a long line of sports people that have done pretty well, uh, Shane Gould, of course, won, didn't she? She a did, few years she back. did win it, yep. Uh, Lee Castledine came second, I believe, or yes. it was, yeah, came towards second. the end. Matty Rogers did really well in his season there as well. Yes, that's right. He did too, yeah. So there's been many a sports person, but yeah. Brownlow medalist, but not so great a Survivor player. No, unfortunately not. And then finally, I know there was a proposal gone wrong at a minor league game for the Worcester Red Sox where a gentleman was proposing to his girlfriend who put her arms up as if he were holding a gun to her 
and then proceeded to run up the stairs. Now, some people actually speculated that it was a fake, but apparently there were members of the family there. It was, in fact, real. And it actually reminds me of a time we were at the Wildcats. I, I think you were there. Remember when we had season tickets at Challenge Stadium and a guy had uh, his girlfriend out on the court with him and he got down on one knee and proposed to her. And I don't think she even said a word. She just walked off. She yeah. ran off. Yeah, that was... She proceeded to turn around and run off the court, like bolt off. I don't remember her running, but I remember her making a beeline. Yeah, for... I don't yeah. know why people do this. It is fraught with risk it and really very is. embarrassing for all involved, including yeah. the person who maybe doesn't want to get married to you. And, and it might not even be that. It might just be that they're, they're against it being so public. Public, yeah. 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 So, yeah. not great. What'd you miss, mate? Well, jeez, I miss so much. Honestly, <laughs> There's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, like you can't follow it all. Yeah, like the seven plus app after the first couple of days, which was rubbish. The first couple of days it, it, after that, though, it, it became very, very good, and it was really useful in getting to see as much sport as I possibly could. But as you say, there's only so many hours in the day. And Indeed. Unfortunately, when you've got kids, you do occasionally need to sleep and, and when spend you're working time full with them. Time. Yep. So, yeah, I missed a lot of the sports I was out for, like the water polo, the handball. Thankfully, I missed the synchronized swimming, which is now called artistic <laughs> yes, swimming, yes. which doesn't make it any better. <laughs> so, yeah, there was there was quite a bit that I missed there. Tell you what, though, we're not going to talk about AFL this week. We're, we'll absolutely have a big lead up to the finals next week. But one thing that was missed from the football uh, yes. was one of the most blatant 50-meter penalties of all time towards the end of the West Coast and uh, Melbourne Demons game yesterday. Quickly do have to mention, the game was absolutely crazy. I have never seen a game interrupted by lightning before. 2014 was the last time. Yeah. I think it was the the um, New South Wales Derby. I'm yeah, pretty sure it was, it was GWS the Swans, and the Swans. The yeah. yeah. I didn't actually see that game, but absolutely crazy. And look, absolutely by no means am I saying that the umpires cost the Eagles that game. They did not play well enough to win it, but I'll set it was blatant. I'll set the scene for anyone who hasn't seen this. There's about 50 seconds left in the game. Eagles are down by nine. Jack Darling takes a mark just short of the halfway line. The mark gets paid. And then after that, Harrison Petty drags Darling to the ground, traps the ball between his legs, intentionally gets up slowly. Absolutely. Turns around in the wrong direction. So to add an extra little half a second on there. And then finally gives the ball back. And the bloody umpire doesn't blow time on for ages. It gets worse. Mm. So it took nine seconds after the ball was marked before it was finally given back to him. Then Elliot Yo steps in to try and hurry Petty up into giving the ball back. And this fuck-knuckle umpire, Matthew Nichols, has the audacity to tell Yo that he's holding the game up. <laughs> I didn't realise that. We're at the pub because we run the oh quiz on Monday, God. so we just saw it with the sound off. That's, that's classic. Now, I'll mention, oh, I man. went on to his LinkedIn page, and it does say on there that he's from the greater Melbourne area. I'm just going to leave that there. Do with that what you want. Uh, it wasn't a good weekend for West Aussie teams. You would have thought they were the road teams, not the home teams. Mm-hmm. Both teams got screwed with some pretty big calls at bad times. See, now that you're dating someone who's a Dockers fan... No, got... I've told... No, no, no I've no, this. Because you have more of an interest in no, it now. I've, I've been a Freo sympathiser for the whole time. They're just not my number Sympathiser is different, though. <laughs> You've got a vested interest in it now, so you're starting to feel some of my pain. Uh, anyway, we could be sitting here all night talking about the umpires. Any bad umpiring out. is bad umpiring. It doesn't matter what team it is. Anyway, what did you miss, mate? Uh, well, I missed a couple of things. So I haven't watched the Luke Longley Australian story yet. That was intentional. Again, it was on during the quiz, so I want to watch them both back-to-back, and hopefully it will erase some of the errors of the fact that he wasn't in the last dance doco. And there are reasons for that, but it was a bit of a shame. 
And the other thing I missed was I didn't realize it was the NFL Hall of Fame weekend. That's really snuck up on me. I'm going to have my fantasy draft soon. So defending champions. So I better get my Ooh, ass into gear. Shit. But it was my favorite player, Peyton Manning, his induction, and also Edger and James, two big reasons why I'm a Colts fan. But it was actually a lot of the players that were really big during the time I really got into the NFL in the early 2000s. So Troy Polamalu, Charles Woodson, a lot of these guys that are just excellent players. And yeah, it's a bit of a shame I missed it. But as you say, there's only so many hours in the day. Mm -hmm. Come on, you blokes. You know more than just sport. Oh, Shui, our Just Not Cricket this week is an absolute doozy. An Indonesian man is facing arrest after pretending to be his wife. Now, the story was, and he's only identified by the initials DW, according to CNN Travel. Dumb wanker. <laughs> <laughs> so he was boarding a CityLink domestic flight from Jakarta to Ternate, which is about five hours, I believe. About five, did, yeah, about five and a half. I thought we'd have a look and see how long this flight was. Now, basically what he did was dress up as his wife. So he put himself in a full niqab because she had tested negative to COVID-19, whereas he had tested positive and he wanted to travel. So he pretended to be her and he got through at first instance. <laughs> but then the idiot decided, and I want to use a phrase that you used at the top there for, for that umpire, but he decided to change it out of the niqab in the plane's dunnies and went back to his seat. So, of course, the flight attendants would have noticed that. Mm. What a bloody idiot. It's like if this was sport-related, it would absolutely be a bloody hell. But sure, it would. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-blowing that if he was that invested in this plan that he couldn't just spend five hours in the getup that he had on. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously it's great that he got caught because what a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Putting so many people at risk. Yeah. But, geez, yeah, it is absolutely... Well, I mean, they, they don't really play cricket in Indonesia, so it's probably just not badminton or, <laughs> or something like that. Well, or, this or, is our non-sports segment anyway, so... It's just not the shell game that we used to play in <laughs> year eight Indonesian when we studied it at school. So to DW, I say... It's just not cricket. So, Stewie, I got a little bit excited last week. We were on pace for our best Olympics ever. In the end, it was our tied third best ever. Hmm. For Australia, that is, of course. So we finished with 17 gold, 7 silver and 22 bronze for 46 total, which had us in sixth uh, on the entire table behind the USA, China, Japan, the Russian Olympic Committee and the UK. Or which is, is like four countries in one. Which, yeah, and, and if you look at a lot of the comments online, people are like, oh, that's because England are too busy dominating the Olympics and everyone's just put them in their place. So <laughs> you do realise that it's not just England. <laughs> yeah, how do you go in the Commonwealth Games? <sighs> yeah, the old divided kingdom. So we have a bit of trivia. We have some good, bad and ugly. But first things first, I guess we'll take it all the way back to the start for the opening ceremony. Jeez, it was incredible, wasn't it? It's actually the probably the most of any opening ceremony I've ever seen. Partly because I knew we'd be talking about it. I don't normally watch a hell of a lot of it. Uh, but yes, it was. It was quite amazing. Some good, some not so good, in my opinion. So for me, it went from breathtaking, that group of drones that created that like the, planet. The, the globe, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, ridiculous, wasn't it? Ridiculous, yeah. Uh, and then it was a bit cliche. I thought the Imagine song with Keith Urban, John Legend and all those others, I can't remember who the others were, but I thought that was a bit cringe. It was a bit forced. I don't know how you feel about oh, 100% that. 100% it was. Yeah. It made no sense to me. Yeah. I did like the pictograms, the people recreating all the pictograms. That was pretty cool. The guy dropping the tennis racket. And that's the funny <laughs> thing. So it's funny you say that. So 
Hamish said, a lot to remember for the men in the suits didn't put a foot wrong. <laughs> well, okay, he did drop the racket. No, he put his hand wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did bloody well, though. They that did was, incredibly that well, was, yeah. That was very good. And Naomi Osaka, not a surprise that she lit the cauldron and what a cauldron it was. She did look a bit uncomfortable, I thought, but good on her. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's great to see her sort of out in the open and in the public. It's it's Yeah, she needs to be playing tennis and having fun and getting back to what made her what she was 12 months ago. And well and truly one of the faces of Japanese athletics. Let's Absolutely. Face it. A few things for me, I guess. The mask issues, that was probably a, a bit of a, a point of contention for me. The, the Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan and Pakistani flag bearers all coming in without masks on and a lot of their delegations had no masks, which I, I can't figure out how that was allowed. Mm. Makes no sense to me. Uh, the Canadian commentator team calling Patty Mills a woman. What? Really? Did you hear that? <laughs> no. They're saying, oh, it's really interesting. The Australians coming he's in. He's got here. a pretty fucking big beard. Well, he's wearing a mask. Oh, okay. Because he was doing the right thing. Yes, he... okay, okay. But, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I it's, didn't it's, hear it's, that. Oh, it's great. The Australians with, uh, with two female flag bearers. <laughs> that's classic. I remember saying, oh, geez, I hope we don't play Canada. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> they didn't destroy. even make it, though. They didn't but yeah, if they didn't know who he was, maybe his 42 point bronze medal game. And nine assists, thank you very much. Just have changed that. Yeah, yeah. Well. Then we had the, the <laughs> Korean network who used some pretty unusual pictures to sort of represent the nations. Ah, yes, very uh, stereotypical. They used Chernobyl for the Ukraine uh, with a a caption that said, the political situation is fogged by the assassination of the president for the team from Haiti. Wow. Uh, A picture of pizza to accompany the Italians (laughs) and a picture of Bitcoin for the El Salvador team. So very, very, yeah, that was the look I had as well. Is that that because they're one of the countries that made it legal tender officially? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I would have to check that, but I just, so random. Fancy that, eh? We'll talk about this more next week, but it's a shame that the Australian picture wasn't Jason Akermanis' new cryptocurrency. Do you know what he's called it? Zoocoin? (laughs) Is it really? Something like that, yeah. I'm surprised it's not something like, like, I don't know. that Handstand. (laughs) Yeah. We'll come back to that next week. Something else that was a little bit random but was very, very cool for any of the the gamers out there was the use of the video game music in so many of the introductions. Yes, the whole thing, I think. Yeah, well, it might have been. Yeah, there was the music from Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yep. During Australia, there was Sonic. Yeah. There's Victory Fanfare from Final Fantasy, the Lotto theme from Dragon Quest, a lot of really, really big, big gamer anthems. And another really cool thing, I guess, to round this out. How cool was it that the rings in the stadium were actually made from the trees that the overseas athletes planted in 1964, the last time the game was in Tokyo? I didn't know that. that? That's great. Yeah, they actually made them out of that. Yeah, I must admit, I tuned in and out of the commentary because I was doing other things at the same time. I was prepping for this or I was was doing stuff for this. But yeah, okay, there you go. That was absolutely amazing. Now, I know when we were originally talking about this, you sort of came up with the idea, let's talk good, bad and ugly. And I have to say, I didn't really take note of much of the good stuff which is really annoying got a lot of the the bad and a lot of the ugly things that happen but obviously there's so many great things to talk about and i can see you've got a list as long as you're oh own. look we've got we, we could be here for days to talk about all the great stuff and we've it's very much a non-exhaustive list and there's going to be some big stuff we've missed as well but first i wanted to do some trivia story mm-hmm. so first off i have major hats off to uzbekistani gymnast Oksana Chuzovatina, who competed at her eighth Olympic Games. Wow. Now, she's 46. That means she was pretty young when she went to her first. 
She's actually competed for the Soviet Union, Germany, and Uzbekistan. That's, so she's that's crazy. For she's people, shared around. The people can't see my eyebrows are very much raised. That is incredible. I mean, how often do you even see any sort of gymnast over the age of twenty to twenty-five? In the women's, yeah. In the in the men's, they can they hang go, around yeah, for a bit sorry, longer. No. But yeah, in the women's, yeah, it's a it's a young woman's game it generally. Really yeah. Is. Yeah. A couple of other things. Riley Day funded her entire trip basically by working at Woolworths for the Aussies. That's cool. Uh, Jessica Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen's daughter, won a silver in the equestrian show jumping. The holidays, both Drew and Lauren are gold medalists. Lauren's won two in the soccer. Drew Holiday, of course, won one in the basketball. And we'll talk about the basketball in the basketball segment rather than the Olympics. Pamela and JaVale McGee, the first mother and son combination to win gold. Pamela won in 1984 at LA in the basketball. JaVale, of course, won in the basketball as well. He was a huge part of that team, JaVale. <laughs> did he even get on the court? <laughs> I don't think he did. He, he played less than I expected mm. as someone as a rim protector. And then how's this? Eddie Alvarez became the sixth athlete ever to medal in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. So he won in baseball in Tokyo this year. And in Sochi in 2014, he won one in the 5,000-meter speed skate relay. He joined Eddie Egan, Jacob Tullen-Thomas, Christina Ludwig-Rothenberger, Clara Hughes, and Lauren Williams as the others that have won medals in both Summer and Winter Olympic Games. Pretty impressive there. So this is trivia with a bit of a laugh, Shui, which is why I've left this one to the end. So Roald Browning's 100-metre semi-final was actually the most watched event by the ratings in Australia. He didn't even make the final. Isn't that funny? It is. But the best thing about him was <laughs> he tweeted, can someone from World Athletics update my profile cover shot, please? Don't want to draw Shervo comparisons. <laughs> 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 the old twig and berries may be oh, a bit too prominent in the well, picture. <laughs> yeah, when you're comparing yourself to Shervo, Christ. That's, uh, that's, that's big shoes to fill. So the goods that kind of stuck out to me, and there's some Aussie and some other. Uh, so Kate Campbell exercising her demons from Rio in the 100-metre free. Now, she won a bronze. In Rio, she came sixth, and she referred to her placing as the biggest choking in Australian sport history. Lay and, down, Sally. Yeah, well, yeah. But but then she said, I hope you all still love me. It was a heartbreaking interview from Rio. So it was so good to see her exercise her demons. The Campbell sisters are just wonderful, wonderful ladies. A couple of first-timers, Shui. So San Marino became the smallest country ever to win a medal. Alessandro Pirelli, a shooter, won both a silver and a bronze, if I'm not mistaken. Some golds. Hidland Diaz, a Filipino weightlifter. And Bermudan triathlete Flora Duffy. Both won their country's first ever gold. So those are great stories. A couple of really interesting ones. Morocco's Sufian El Bakali was a DNF in the first round of the men's 1,500 metres after winning gold in the, in the steeplechase. I love the quotes. I celebrated a lot and I'm very happy to be an Olympic champion, but this morning I went to bed at five. So I was tired going into the race. Oh <laughs> Fair enough, mate. He was, he's won his gold, so good on him. Yeah, yeah. And Safan Hassan won a gold in the 5,000 metres less than 12 hours after failing to get through the heats in the 1,500 metres, which was really cool as well. When I fell down and had to jump up, I felt like I was using so much energy. I couldn't believe the feelings in my legs. All the energy seemed to leave me. Well, 12 hours later, that energy came. So great story there as well. And then my favorite, I thought I'd leave another funny one to the end. So Jingles, Joe Ingalls, was told by Italian journalists that he was Simone Fontecchio's idol, who had a game high 22 against us. And Jingles responded, I'm whose idol? Oh, shit, he needs a better idol. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was that was a great response from the great man. And again, we'll get back to basketball shortly. I've actually got one myself, a Tunisian swimmer by the name of Ahmed Hafnaoui. He actually finished eighth in the semifinals of the 400-meter freestyle. So he basically was one of the, the afterthoughts. That I think he was in lane one or eight, one of the outside lanes, obviously. And he ended up winning the whole thing. Wow. Won the gold medal as an 18-year-old. Wow, so good on him. Really cool. He kind of did his Kieran Perkins. Yes, indeed. Yeah. A couple of other ones I missed, actually. Harry Garside won a bronze in the boxing, the first Aussie boxing medal since Spike Cheney in 1988. And weirdly, there's no bronze medal fight in the Olympics. So the semi-final losers both got guaranteed bronze, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, I disagree with that. We'll talk yeah. about that a little yes, bit. Yes, we will. I knew that was coming. And then Sinead Diver won a marathon. She didn't start running until she was 31. That is quite remarkable. Mm. Anyway, I know you've got a list of bad now. <laughs> well, oh, it's, it's not so much that I've got a list of bad. There were just a few issues that popped up. And look, let's go straight into the one we were just talking about. So... The reason that I've got this on my list is because of the final of the men's high jump. So we had Gianmarco Tamberi of Italy and Mutaz Essa Bashim of Qatar, who ended the final on a tie. The two jumpers could not be split, even after sort of going back to the, the, you know, the previous jumps. There was the option of the jump off, or they could split the gold. Now, no prizes for guessing what any of them would choose. Why would you risk a gold? Yeah. Makes no sense. So obviously... They I don't know. I think some competitors would risk it, actually, uh, if they back themselves. But yeah, I wouldn't, especially yeah. on something like like the high jump where it can be yeah, a matter yeah, of yeah. centimeters. Yeah, and look, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's this beautiful moment." I absolutely hate the decision, and the the reason for that is this: if the USA and French basketball final had been tied, they go to overtime. If it wasn't for a brilliant moment from Malcolm in the soccer, the Brazil and Spain final would have gone to penalties. The men's hockey final between Australia and Belgium ended 1-1. That went to penalties. Belgium dominated. They deserved the gold medal in that. Absolutely brilliant. If you go to the argument that, okay, well, those are all team sports. What about the individual sports? The golf finished in a seven-way tie for third <laughs> yeah, place. I saw that, yeah. Seven-way. Yeah. Did they give out seven bronze medals? No. They went to a seven-way playoff. Yep. And this guy, Pan Cheng Sung, won on the fourth playoff hole. Losing out on a medal sucks but it's part of the whole competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at the Slovenian basketball team. They had a game-winning layup blocked by Nicholas Batum. And what a block it was. It was. Yeah. For a chance to go through and play for the gold medal against America. And they didn't even medal after that. Yeah, yeah. It sucks, but sport can be tough. Yeah. So I, I just don't see a reason that this should happen. I, I think you've got a gold, you've got a silver, and you've got a bronze. That's three people or three teams if you're in relays or team sports. I just, I think giving out extra medals just because it's a tie, I, I just don't agree with it personally. Yeah, and no, I think I agree with you, Shui. I think that you need to find winners and you need to find losers. That's just the way it is. That reminds me, actually, I forgot to mention Nicola McDermott. Her silver in the high jump for Australia was fantastic. Was. Her attitude was brilliant, wasn't it? It was superb. Great to watch. Yep. But I've got some interesting trivia on this. So in Berlin in 1936, in the pole vault, two Japanese jumpers were to compete for second and third after an American Earl Meadows cleared 4.35 metres. But Shuhei Nasida and Sui O, apologies for pronunciation, wanted to tie and refused to jump. Now, the judges refused to let them share the silver, so the Japanese team was told to decide who would get what. Now, Nishida actually took it, but when they went home, they got a jeweler to cut both medals in half and then rejoin the halves so they both have a Bilva or a Sons. <laughs> I think I prefer the Sons. <laughs> so it's known as the Friendship Medal. So that's an interesting that, case. Yeah. So, yeah. 
But you know what? In, in the official record books, you've got a second place and you've got a third place. I can live with that. And we'll actually, funnily enough, talk about something similar in the This Week in Sports at the end of hey, the hey, show. Yes, so another interesting listening. one there. So we'll move on to another one that I kind of thought was probably in the bad category at the start. It's come good since then, but um, it's this gentleman, Ben Whitaker, who was involved in the boxing. So he took silver in the boxing and refused to wear it during the photo sessions on the actual podium. He instead put it in his pocket. He looked inconsolable saying, I didn't want silver. I lost the gold. So to me, it's a failure. I'm not going to celebrate silver at the moment, which, okay, I get it. You're disappointed. That's absolutely fine. I respect that. So absolutely no prizes for guessing who came to his defense. Djokovic. Piers Morgan. Oh. <laughs> Seems to be the, the other guy on this show that we, we always talk about. So he commended Whitaker for telling the truth about competing in elite sports. Now, I, again, like time and place, there's no... Yeah, it's, I agree. It's just a need to... Yep put his stupid opinions forward. Anyway, yeah. so look, Whitaker's since come out and said that he regrets not wearing it with pride. You know me, Nath. I'm as competitive as the next person. I hate losing, but what an honour it would be to win any medal. Oh, absolutely. It, it doesn't send a good message either. No. I can understand if you feel that way after, but just grin and bear it, man. Yeah. Put, put the medal on. Like, if you want to give interviews later, maybe when you get home, but yeah, I agree. Well, there was that American bird a few years back who sort of became a meme for scrunching her face up sitting on the second Oh, place. Michaela Maroney, the gymnast. Yes. Yeah, oh, well, that scrunched face was kind of her, like, calling card she'd always scrunch her face yeah. up but yeah yeah that was another example of what was perceived to be sour grapes yeah. yeah so look yeah everyone obviously you want to win gold that's what you compete for but the, yeah it's just certain parts of the world i think are still struggling with getting their head past gold is the only color like mm. it's you got to be able to celebrate a bronze or a silver or whatever you get it just should be automatic to celebrate do we count the opals being bundled out in the quarters as a bad they certainly didn't live up to expectations. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was disappointing. It was, it was an ugly bad. Yeah, and especially after the promise of beating the US in the warm-ups without Cambage, but uh, it was always going to be a big ask, and we said it at the time, to place all that responsibility on Mac Beggar's shoulders. As soon as we lost to Belgium in the first game of the tournament, I, it was I big trouble. did not feel confident. Yeah, yeah. China was always a danger game and shock horror. We lose that. And now everyone was saying that, oh, it was a horrible foul call. I personally think it was the right call. I think it wasn't spectacular, but I see why they called it. And I don't think, yeah, I don't have a problem with I the call. Th I think there was enough of an arm hold. Yeah, I, I think it was it was there. It certainly wasn't a Donahue, that's for sure. But <laughs> whistleblower. Yeah. Check it out. I don't know if this is bad so much as a surprise. Novak missed out not only on his golden slam, but he didn't even get the bronze. You could say bad purely because of the reaction, throwing his racket into the, into the I'm saying crowd in air quotes, <laughs> yes. in, into the seats. Luckily, no lines people were around. So. No, well, he'd already lost anyway. But, <laughs> but yeah, really, obviously disappointing. And we'll talk about Alex Sparrow more in a minute. But yeah, look, this was a... A real disappointment, obviously, for Djokovic and what he was expecting. I think what then made that either, you know, bad or ugly was him then turning around and pulling out of the bronze medal game in the doubles. Ah. Thus, you know, potentially costing himself and his playing partner a bronze medal. So, mm. yeah, not a, a great couple of weeks for, for Novak. And to be fair, not a great couple of weeks for the other number one as well. Ash Barty played terribly. Yeah, in the true. That's true. She, she was, was lucky to get a bronze in the mixed doubles. Very, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. And Osaka lost in the third round. And again, we know that she's been battling some pretty big troubles. And for me, that's not a knock on her. 
that is a big tick to Kathy Freeman because the amount of pressure that a local athlete faces to achieve gold for their country is enormous. And so for Kathy to come through in those circumstances was huge. And so third round is nothing to sneeze at, but Osaka would have felt so much pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This one's certainly not the worst in the world, but still doesn't look great for the Australians. So five of the hockey roos decided to leave the Olympic Village for a matter of about 20 minutes Mm. to get beer after they lost their final against Belgium. Look, they're not going to name or shame the players. They're not going to reprimand them. And they can be forgiven for wanting to have a beer, but just not in those circumstances. Yeah, look, they wore masks, they self-reported, they returned negative tests. I'm not sure they should be given special treatment. I think they should have been named and shamed for it because you know the rules. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. I don't see why you're special because you finished yeah, your... Yeah, they're probably lucky. Yeah, I think they're incredibly lucky. So I, I think that's that's certainly something that doesn't put a, a great name on the Hockey Roos team. And, and I think especially when you consider the state of play in Tokyo, I mean, when you look at how funny it is that as soon as the game started... Everyone forgot about all these cases that were going on in Japan. I mean, Tokyo was having thousands of new cases every day around these Olympics. Yeah, that's a good point. Which, you know, that's bad and ugly yeah, enough on its yeah, own. Yeah, no, we did kind of forget. Uh, it, it's really, should, it, should they have gone ahead in the end now that they have gone? It's really hard to kind of, I'm torn. I mean, in hindsight, most of it went absolutely fine, but it just... I, I still stand by it. I don't think the world necessarily needed it. it obviously, it was a great spectacle, but... There's a lot of people in lockdown. I think it would have been nice for for those people. We've yeah. been very lucky here in Perth that we have had very few lockdowns over the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, so the lock, they're almost the lockdown games, aren't they, really? Or the yeah. FIFO games? Or both. The FIFO games, yeah. yeah, I, like that. yeah. I like that. Uh, a couple more for me. So the 400-metre hurdles in... Uh, it was the semi-finals in torrential rain. It was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. People falling left, right and centre. It was just a terrible spectacle. I don't know why the hell they couldn't wait for that. And then, of course, Genevieve Gregson tore her Achilles in the 1,500 metres as well, which was very hard to see. But, gee, she took it so well. And I saw her on Twitter and stuff, and she must have a really great attitude because it would have been heartbreaking. I must admit, when they were showing the finish line on that and I couldn't see her anywhere, I thought something's happened. The split second they showed her lying down, I said to my wife, said she's done her Achilles. Yeah. Better. Yep. And sure enough, next second she's reaching up for it. It's like, yep, she's done it. Mm, not great. Um, probably a couple of other ones for me that that sort of, again, sort of straddle that line between bad and ugly. This one's pretty ugly for me. Uh, Latia C, I believe it's pronounced, a Senegalese percussionist who was removed from the opening ceremonies because the organisers, quote, did not want a black face in the show. And distinction here, not someone in blackface, someone with an actual blackface. Yeah, That's disgusting. It's, it's not I had no idea until you told me that tonight. Yeah. That's outrageous. It's nothing short of disgusting. Yeah, it's terrible. And then I guess the other one that's kind of annoying me at the moment is all these athletes posting pictures of their travels. You've got Maddie Wilson, who's happily throwing a coin over her shoulder into the Trevi Fountain in Rome, no mask on. <laughs> Liz Clay and Rowan Browning, both enjoying a trip in Positano. And the majority of the rest of the team are quarantining in these horrible dorms in Howard Springs near Darwin. It's just... Yeah, it's not a good like, look. You've got thousands of people stranded overseas right now wanting to come home and you've got athletes flaunting their trips. I, it just, to me, it seems a little bit insensitive. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Maybe a little bit tone deaf. I, I'm just... Yeah, it's not something that sits well with me. I, I just think they're already spoiled enough to then be going and doing that. I mean, okay, yeah, we want people to be going and travelling, but... It's one thing to do it. It's another thing to then flaunt it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now with the ugly, I thought I'd start with a kind of funny one. Did you notice all the swimmers with those big circular marks on their bodies? Yeah, that's the, the cupping. People have been doing that for years. Hot cupping, yeah. So it just reminded me of the girl on that Crash Test Dummies video clip. Mm-hmm. With the birthmarks all over her body. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember the song well. But do you remember the film clip? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it it's reminded nice. me of. Yeah. But so, it's apparently to aid in circulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Russell Westbrook did that for, for years, I think. Oh, of, there you go. A, a lot of the NBA players have been doing that for a while now. Um, and I'm guessing it's probably been throughout the, the swimming and many other sports. Not something I've seen a lot, but uh, it was pretty rife there, wasn't it? In the, in Tokyo, hot cupping just sounds. It just <laughs> sounds great. It sounds dirty. It really does. A few track and field ones, Stewie. So Noah Lyles of the USA in the two hundred meter, and Sharika Jackson of the two hundred meters for Jamaica both missed out on finals because they slowed down too quickly in the heats. In Jackson's case, she slowed down with forty meters left. Mm. Talk about pumping the brakes. Like that they blew medal opportunities. I would say talk about arrogance. Well, that too. Yeah. I, I don't feel any sort of sorry for them because if you're that arrogant that you feel like you should slow down before the line, no. It's a 200 meter race, not a 160 meter race. Keep running. And then the US USA men's relay team were pilloried over there too. So I saw a Carl Lewis tweet. The USA team did everything wrong in the men's relay. The passing system is wrong, athletes running the wrong legs, and it was clear that there was no leadership. It was a total embarrassment and completely unacceptable for USA to look worse than the AAU kids I saw. Carl Lewis, of course, won the men's long jump four consecutive times in the Olympics from LA 84 through to Atlanta in 96. Crazily in Atlanta, he nearly didn't make the final. His final jump catapulting him from 15th place to first, and he became the third person to win the same event four times. Also... Selected by the Chicago Bulls in the NBA draft. Yeah, eighth round, if I remember. Yeah, that's when they had a million rounds in the basketball. But still, still, neither of us have been selected. No, and never will be. Maybe. (laughs) We'll talk Um, more about the draft next week, but we'll touch on it briefly at the end. Yes. So I've got a couple, but I'll I'll just do one for now because you've got quite a few together. (laughs) The, The one that I found particularly ugly was the Americans blasting the Australians on social media after the four by 100 medley win in the swimming saying that the Australians just straight up cheated just purely because of the fact that the Aussies managed to get a better, a better time. They've got that sort of point. Touch pad. Yeah. yeah what is it? 0.04 of a second or something like yeah, that. Yeah. There is an acceptable boundary for-, for jumping sort of before the person touches. Yeah. And look, the Aussies did a phenomenal job in terms of getting those touches just right. And I think the difference in it was about 13 one hundredth of a second over the entire race. But the difference between the touches was about one point one one point two seconds, something like that. So sour grapes. Yeah, to to turn around though and accuse people of cheating when no one in the IOC or no one in in anything to do with the Olympics has come out and, and said, well, yeah, they did. They well, they, it was in the acceptable out. window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is part of the rules of yeah the swimming. If that's not good enough, then it's not cheating. I mean, we're no. talking about hundreds of a second here in reaction times, and I can almost guarantee there must be some relay that the USA team participated in somewhere in men's or women's where the same thing happened. Hmm. I can almost guarantee. Yep. On that, actually, Stewie, we didn't even talk about Ariane Titmus and how she beat the woman who's by many thought to be the greatest swimmer of all time, Katie Ledecky. And how was Team Boxall the coach as well? Oh, what do you reckon he, about the reaction? Because he got slammed by the American media too. And again, I might have been sour grapes because of the Katie Ledecky loss. But I, I kind of understand that because I guess a lot of people were saying that he was taking the focus away from her. I get that. Like, because I mean, look, Titmus was obviously the star of that. 
But I think what people were forgetting was that he's just as invested in the last however many years. Absolutely. As, as Titmus has been. I mean, obviously she's the one in the water every single stroke, but he's the one that's been coaching her and riding every stroke from God knows how many years ago to this point now. And that is the culmination of all of that work. And he's let it all out. I mean, And they had that goal to beat Ledecky from day one. Yep. And she spoke absolutely glowingly of him and talked about the sacrifices he had to make as coach. But, you know, he's got a family. He had less time with them, the early starts, all these sort of things, being away during COVID. So I thought, I mean, she, what a lovable character she is. And what an amazing performance from her as well. I mean, it has to be said that the performances, the interviews, all of the the social media, all everything to do with the Australian swim team over that meet, I thought was first class. Oh, they acquitted themselves so well. They didn't really, they? really did. Yeah. And I mentioned, of course, last week in the prologue, Emma McKeon's 11 medals, making her the most successful Aussie athlete ever. Hmm. So what a spectacular job by her. But no, I think you're right. They were all fantastic. I actually have another funny interview one I'll mention in a sec as well. I think there was a funny one in the boxing. Did you see Moriad Aliou, the super heavyweight from France, who decided to protest after his loss by sitting in the ring for a while? That was the worst protest it I've, really ever, was. <laughs> I've ever seen. It's bizarre. Well, the, the worst, but you were telling me about the worst part of it. He, he went off for a piss break and came back. <laughs> I saw a tweet that said that's the first protest I've ever seen where someone's gone for a piss break and come back. But the funny thing is it didn't disrupt anything. There, was no, there were no events on for hours. So yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's just, he's just sitting just, there. He's just sitting by an empty ring by himself. <laughs> like no one even came up to him and said, oh, you're, you're all right there. Like it's oh. just, what a waste of time, honestly. And this one's ugly. I mean, not because it was bad per se. It's, it's such a shame and it's ugly because of what happened to her previously. So Annemiek van Vluten from the Netherlands was in a horrible crash in Rio. Horrible. And it looked like she was going to win the gold. Anyway, she's come back here for Tokyo and she thought she won the women's road race. But unfortunately, she came in second because she didn't realise that the leader had raced away. Yeah. An Austrian by the name of Anna Kissenhofer, who, by the way, here's a good story, doesn't even race in a professional team. And she won the gold medal. I just love how Austrian her name is. But what a crazy story from top to bottom that is. And oh, the heartbreak of thinking you've won. And and, I mean, again, Silva is nothing to sneeze at. But after what happened to her in Rio, it's pretty sad. But there is a silver lining to this. Actually, there's a A silver medal lining. There's actually a gold lining now that I say that. Okay. She actually did win gold, though, in the individual time trial. Oh, there you go. I didn't notice that. Okay. Oh, that is good. So she did actually manage to uh, exercise those demons. She avenged her. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. I didn't actually realize that. That is good to hear. Now, one of the real ugly parts of this, it just it frustrates me every time there's a game on that you've got China, Chinese Taipei and Hong Kong all competing separately. Now I get Chinese Taipei has too, because that's Taiwan, but it annoys me that they can't compete as Taiwan, that they have to be Chinese Taipei. Yeah. And the, the winning doubles badminton team, actually they won gold. They dedicated it to Taiwan and apparently China's blown up at them. Well, it's no surprise. I dare say, but why they're a different country. Well, not according to China. No, I mean, I know, obviously, like... The geopolitical, it's, it's yeah. somewhat rhetorical, but yeah, it's very frustrating. It would be like New Zealanders winning gold and us going, oh, Australian gold, dedicated to Australia. No. No. I know it's not the same thing. No, but, no, no, it's but, not. It's not. It's not. New Zealand did very well, by they, the way. They, they, they had did. a good Olympic Games as they well. They, they're much like the Aussies. They punch above their weight well and truly. But, yeah, just disappointing that China has to get stuck into them over that. Let them enjoy the fact that they are Taiwan. Yeah, fair enough. 
Yeah, but that's never going to happen. But no, yeah, fair enough. The fact that they call them Little Japan or Traitor Taiwan and all these other names. Oh, of just, course. The rhetoric would have been in full swing. Freaking childish. Now, a couple of other ones that aren't so nice, but this is, you know, we've got to talk about some of the bad stuff. This is the ugly section after all. Probably one of the more distressing stories to come out of these Olympics has been the story of Kristina Timanovskaya, who's a Belarusian athlete. She was basically entered into a relay without being notified beforehand by the Belarusian Athletics Federation. And she went on to criticize them. And the result was that the officials apparently tried to remove her from Japan and fly her home, which she refused to do, which is, I guess, fair enough. Yeah, well, she was on social media basically like seeking asylum. Save me, yeah. Yeah. And, and thankfully, the Japanese officials stepped in. We, we obviously don't know what that would have meant for her if she had gone home. And well, she, she might have disappeared. Well, yeah. Look, at, at time of recording, she was she's pretty safe in Warsaw for the foreseeable future. And look, hopefully she is able to return to her home country. We'll see how that all goes. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a number of nations that would be happy to grant her asylum. I mean, she's not just because she's a very good athlete. But, <laughs> it helps. But it, yeah, it never, never hurts, I guess. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see this sort of stuff still happening. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see more. I'm sure there'll be more to come from that story as well. So mm. yeah, hopefully she'll be okay. Yeah. So... Malaysian cycling fans bombarded Australian Matthew Glates's social media account after he blew the men's Kirin. It has to be said, he did blow it by looking back and not realizing the pace bike had come off the track and then allowed someone to race past them. So they blamed him for what they thought would have been otherwise a Malaysian gold medal. We don't know for sure whether or not, but he got absolutely slammed. And also the Russian media as well, talking of, of media, because I know the Chinese media would have gone pretty hard on the one you said. Channel Rossia One was airing homophobic slurs against English diver Tom Daly. Now, this is a guy that captured so many hearts. He was the guy that was knitting in the in the grandstands. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, man, that stuff he was whipping up was pretty bloody impressive. Some of those cardigans with like the, the Union Jack and the Lion, and it was pretty bloody amazing. And he was just such a lovely interview. He, he was one of the shining lights in the games for me, really was. But this is what he said. There are 10 countries competing at these Olympics where being LGBT is punishable by death. I feel extremely lucky to be representing Team Great Britain, to be able to stand on the diving board as myself, with a husband and a son, and to not have to worry about any ramifications. There are lots of people who grow up around the world in less fortunate situations. I just hope that seeing out sports people will help people feel like they are less alone like they are valued and like they can achieve something. So like I said, what a great guy. That is, like, that is what a class. response. He is complete class. So gold in the 10 meter synchronized and also gold in our hearts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that was an interesting one too because the two Chinese divers uh, were gold and silver and the silver medalist was really pissed off that he did not win gold. So that was a bit of an ugly look too. But you can kind of understand the disappointment. But yeah, it was his fellow countrymen. So that was a weird one. Hmm. So I kind of wanted to finish up this or round this out with, I guess, a favourite story from the Games. It doesn't have to be an Australian. In fact, neither of mine relate to Australia. So Yeah, well, we tried to kind of diversify and not go too, too uh, gung-ho on the Aussie stuff. So the biggest one for me, I think, was Alex Sparov. His dominance in the men's singles tennis, I thought was absolutely amazing. The way he dismantled Novak Djokovic was sensational in the semifinals. And, and by the way, as we mentioned before, absolutely crazy that Djokovic did not medal. Yeah, I'm very still, surprising. Still in a bit of shock. Yeah. Sparrow just took everything on. His ground strikes were massive. And then he backs that up by beating Karen Kachanov in just 79 minutes in the final, possibly the most dominant statement match that he's ever played mm. as far as I'm concerned. The, th the reason I love this, though, is because Sparrow's kind of the... He's not the forgotten guy, but he's kind of the overlooked guy in that new generation. 
everyone kind of feels like Daniel Medvedev or Stefano Tsitsipas are more likely to get a major first. They get more respect. So this sort of breakthrough for him is absolutely massive. A couple of things. Did you see Daniel Medvedev go off at a reporter who asked about the kind of specter of the Russian cheating scandal hanging over no, the I Russian didn't, team? Didn't and therefore that. that's why they were ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee. Hmm. He, I, look, I thought the question was fair. It's it, The guy wasn't accusing Medvedev of being a cheater himself. He was talking about the greater country. I guess it's hard for Medvedev to speak his way. He probably had, he acted the way his country would expect him to yeah. act. So I guess he was backed into a corner there. Yeah, I say really obvious cheats. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Uh, the, the other one is, should tennis be at the Olympics? And I guess extending that, should golf be at the Olympics? Well, there's talk of cricket being at the Olympics. Yeah, so. I have heard, well, Brisbane winning, yeah. The, the... So, yeah, I, look, I don't have a problem with tennis because that is a worldwide sport. Ditto with golf. Yeah, okay. I have no problems with those those sports. Are they the most exciting ones to watch? Okay, I loved watching it. I watched a lot of the golf. I thought it was brilliant. I love golf. Is it the most exciting thing for the casual sports fan? No. So it's one of those ones that maybe you don't give quite as much televised time to, but it's, yeah, I think it needs to be there. Cricket one kind of, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, Cricket's a bit like netball. A lot of people are calling for netball, but do enough countries play it? Yeah, you're going to get pushback from the USA. You're going to get pushback from Russia. China. Um, all the big countries don't yeah. play these sports. So I don't see how it's going to work. But. Yeah, and the West Indies, they'd be broken up into the, the little nations. Although Trinidad and Tobago had a pretty good T20 yeah, team at they, one stage. They would, they'd but, uh, yeah, right. but yeah, yeah. yeah, that would just be between sort of four or five nations, really. So, yeah, I don't think so. The other thing, though, that I, I think... I really loved in my favorite sort of overall story from the game. And aside from, I will say, aside from that whole TSC story that we had, I think this will obviously go down as the most inclusive games of all time. Transgender athletes, this influx of new teenage athletes, the inclusion of things like skateboarding and BMX. Yeah. yeah it's sports that are a little bit more inclusive to the entire population. Indeed, the tagline had been changed faster, higher, stronger, together. Mm. which I thought was a nice touch. So I think we're slowly starting to move in the right direction. Obviously, there's still going to be outlying stories like some of the ones that we've spoken about, but we're getting there. A couple of funnies to round this out. Now, we will get to the basketball at the end. We are quickly running out of time, so we probably won't get to talk about it as much as we initially planned, but that's okay. There'll be Next week is another week. Jess Fox. Now, initially, she didn't get that gold. She won a bronze because of a penalty with her dad commentating in the booth, which was a really weird and and also fascinating situation did you know she actually used a condom to help repair her kayak i did say that yeah (laughs) (laughs) so on her instagram i think it was she said bet you never knew condoms could be used for kayak repairs very stretchy much strong it gives carbon a smooth finish Mm. speaking of things that go in condoms there was a pretty funny quote that came out of the british team from the four by 200 meter men's relay where the sideline reporter said you're 18 years old, it's your first Olympics, and your third leg was just phenomenal. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. And he was, he's only 18, like so he was grinning like a Cheshire cat because obviously his mind went to a particular place that one's mind would go when a third leg is mentioned. Yeah, uh, the end of Jess Fox's kayak. <laughs> but basically he was, uh, he was lauded for his ability to keep it together in uh, a circumstance where he wanted to basically piss himself off. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And now... This week in sport history. 
August 10th, 1944, Boston Braves pitcher Red Barrett sets a record that still stands to this day for pitching a complete nine innings game in the fewest amount of pitches at just 58 in a 2-0 win over the Cincinnati Reds, some nine ahead of the next best effort. To put this into perspective in terms of how impressive that is, in a game between the Cleveland Indians and the Seattle Mariners, Indians pitcher Bartolo Colon threw 70 pitches and didn't even get out of the first inning. Oh, wow. Before being replaced with <laughs> two outs on the board oh, and six runs. Geez. 70. Yikes. Damn. August 11th, 1919, the Green Bay Packers are founded by George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau, who their current stadium, Lambeau Field, is named after. And the team is actually named after their sponsor, the Indian Packing Company. Yet another reminder of the industrial era, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, not the industrial era, but the uh, the team names. Oldie timey. Yeah. <laughs> or the Seattle Smoke Breaks. <laughs> Disclaimer, not a real team. So there you go. They're actually named after a removal company. And I dare say, based on all reports, Aaron Rodgers will be calling a removal company out of Green Bay at season's end. Indian packing company. Come to our rescue. Indeed. August the 12th, 1969, the Boston Celtics are sold for a then record $6 million at a time when they just won their 11th title in 13 seasons. Wow. Unfortunately for the new owners, Bill Russell then retired and they'd have to wait another five years before getting back to the promised land. I know five years doesn't seem like a long time, but in Celtics, that's like, <laughs> that's like 65 years. In actual fact, the 1970 season was the Celtics' first losing season in 20 years. Today, they're worth an estimated $3.2 billion, and their five top-paid players, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Josh Richardson, all earn at least $11.6 million next season alone. Yeah, don't know about Josh Richardson. August 13th, 1910, the Brooklyn Superbas and the Pittsburgh Pirates play out the most eerily symmetrical game in the history of baseball. The game ended eight all, with both teams recording 13 hits, 38 at-bats, five strikeouts, three walks, one batter hit by a pitch, one passed ball, 13 assists, 27 putouts, two errors, and a partridge in a... I mean, sorry, while using two pitches. (laughs) The only way to distinguish between the two teams was, of course, the time in which the runs were scored. But what would have been the odds that every single one of those categories would have been tied after nine full innings of baseball? Unfortunately, the game was then called off due to darkness. Darkness is spreading. I believe in a thing called love. Hmm. And August 13th, 1948, in something we've already spoken about tonight, the issue of shared gold medals. This is a crazy one. At the London Olympics, there is a three-way dead heat for the gold medal in the pommel horse event at the gymnastics, with all three gymnasts being given a gold medal. All three of them were from Finland. Oh. Yes, Paavo Altonen, Veiko Hutonen, and Heiki Savalainen all shared the gold. Wow. Disgusting. (laughs) This week in sport history. So, Shui, we have very little time here. We thought we'd have much more. We went a bit hard on the Olympics. It is two weeks, and even when you're going quick. There's a lot to cover. We both knew this was going to happen. (laughs) The Boomers, finally. Absolutely amazing. Out of fourth place. I think we've all forgotten about the Spain game now, finally. Oh, well. No. No, no. No, the Spain game stings a little bit less. I'll be honest, the USA game in the semifinal stings a little bit Mm because we were up 15 in the second quarter. But as I said in our sports chat at the time, now we're going to tense up playing with the lead, which unfortunately I dare say did happen a little bit. Oh, Absolutely. It's got to be said, though, that that USA team, like I predicted, looked very different with Drew Holiday and Devin Booker in the team. Yeah, well, Drew Holiday, people were arguing, was 
almost the most important player. I mean, it was Durant. There's no two ways about it. But yeah. Holiday was definitely in their top two or three. Probably, oh, probably their second most important player. Just so good defensively. And I can't help but think back to game six of the NBA finals when Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were absolutely gushing about a steal that pretty much no other player in the league could have made. Mm. So yeah, he was absolutely vital to the team. And their athleticism is what set them apart for, let's face it, the whole time they're, you know, ever since the Dream Team back in 1992. But the world has caught up. They did have a fairly close contest in the gold medal game against France. And France just survived Slovenia. But then we finally got that bronze by beating Luca. And look, maybe his head wasn't in the game enough, was it? Well, or his left hand. Either. Yeah, well, and that's true. The, the, we did catch him at a good time with a pretty big injury. Yeah. Look, that bronze medal game, I mean, it, it's so weird because usually you're the guy that's pacing and you were apparently quite calm. I was. I was very calm. We worked out with about eight minutes left when Chris Golding hit a three or Golding. I need to start saying Golding. That's how he pronounces it. People I've known in my previous life have said Golding, which is why I always stuff it up. Oh, Got to start saying Golding. But Chris Golding hit a big three and that's where I thought it was over. And I know that it wasn't over because no. they raced back and, and I think it was about a three-point game with a few minutes left, three or four minutes left. But what a superb effort from Paddy Mills. 42 points, nine assists on about 50% shooting. Joe Ingalls was fantastic as well. And this was, of course, after we lost our enforcer, our big guy, the lunch pail, blue collar guy, Aaron Baines, who tripped in the dunny of all places. And now that's a really sad one because he's got no NBA team to go to and he's got nerve damage. Yeah. So some people are like, oh, could we see him in the NBL? Well, he might not play for 12 months, which is really sad. We'll still sign him. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. We have, haven't signed anyone else. I have to say, Matisse Thibel needs a really big pump up as well. Some of the plays that he made in that game, that huge steal and massive dunk, dunk to yeah. finish off the second quarter. Yep. There was a huge putback he had off a missed throw. Oh, that was lovely. Which that one, that was the sealer for yeah. me. Yep. There were, yeah, just a lot of really great moments. His his defensive efforts were superb. He is a menace in the passing lanes. Absolute yeah. menace. So, yeah, look, phenomenal effort. And I think this has now kind of set a precedent where we'll feel like we should be competing for the next few Olympics. Obviously, Paddy Mills probably won't be at the next one. I don't know. They're only three years away, aren't they? So he, he probably would still be good enough to make the team, yeah. I dare say. Matthew Delvadova's done. There's Del no, Delhi's done, for sure. There's no two ways about yeah, it. But. Yeah. I've got to say as well, so pre-games, Gorge said that we weren't going to medal without Ben Simmons. So not only did we medal without Ben Simmons, but it was without Simmons and Baines right. in the end. So yeah. it was a very impressive effort. Will Ben Simmons come back? Do we want him to come back? He finally did congratulate the Boomers on social media after a bit of prompting. But I've got to play devil's advocate here. It was basically damned if you do, damned if you don't in that situation. Because by not saying anything, everyone piled on. And by saying something, everyone in the comments piled on. So the only thing he can do to repair his reputation with the Boomers is to come back and play in Paris. A lot will happen in three years. He'll be there. Now, the other big news, of course, is Josh Giddy being selected sixth overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA draft. We thought we'd get to that today. We were probably a little bit optimistic. So we'll definitely cover the draft and NBA free agency next week. But uh, I guess as a Thunder fan, maybe a quick little how you feel. I have a new jersey to buy. <laughs> you sure do. Yeah, sure look, I'm, I'm very excited by this one. I mean, obviously, didn't quite expect this one. I, I thought the Thunder might go after someone a, a little bit less tried and true. I was thinking more along the lines of Jonathan Kaminga, but look, we'll take Giddy. I think he'll be a, a really, really great 
person to pair up in the backcourt with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Obviously, high IQ guys are very, very important. Let's just hope he can stay on the court, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Hurt his ankle <laughs> after that dunk. Literally yeah. three minutes into the, the opening league. game. But... Yeah. And of course, Twitter's already piling on and saying he's a bust. And it's like, guys, come on. Let him. Funnily enough, one of the people that dubbed him a bust, someone did their detective work and they were like, hold on, you said Lamelo Ball was a bust last season. So they went back and looked at their previous tweets. Far too early to judge. But I think it's a good pick. And we're in an era of positionless basketball. Having guys that are six foot eight with the IQ and playmaking and skill that he has is only a good thing and i'm not trying to draw a comparison by any means here but do you know someone else who had real issues with ankles early on in their career oh steph curry ah okay greatest shooter of all time you can have a bad start to your career with injuries and still be pretty bloody good oh one injury does not make you made of glass so it was just unfortunate so obviously we would have loved to have had enough time to try and unpack certainly at least the lottery if not a few of the other first rounders and talk about some of the winners and losers. There's a lot of transactions going on in the NBA from the Russell Westbrook trade to ridiculous contracts being thrown at anyone who wants to play for the Knicks. <laughs> There's so much to talk about that we'll probably need half a show. Yeah, which we'll... we, don't want to, we don't want to rush this one. No, absolutely not. So I guess in lieu of that, I will leave us with a ridiculous stat from the Olympics relating to the basketball. Go. So Zach Levine was involved in a five-game winning streak as part of the U.S. men's team winning the gold at the Olympics. In his career, though, with Minnesota and Chicago, he's never been involved in a win streak of more than four games. That is nuts. Outrageous. So the last time that he was involved in a win streak that long was his one year at UCLA where they won three straight in Big 12 tournament and two straight at the start of the NCAA tournament. Wow. Zach Levine. Gold for Zach. So, Stewie, I've got to just wrap this up, I guess, by saying how wonderful it is that how much basketball has been embraced in this country. Do you remember in Barcelona 92, Atlanta 96, you'd get out your TV guide and it would have Channel 7 and I think they were in like six-hour blocks Mm. and it would show the events that were being shown in that little block and it would have all the things and it would have basketball. And as a kid, I'd be there on the edge of my seat and you'd be lucky if you got like three minutes that they throw to in the third quarter of a game that we probably eventually lose to Lithuania. Yeah, you know? they'd show the timeouts. Yeah, yeah, often they would, oh. they would. Yeah. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because oh, I, I remember that me too. vividly in Barcelona watching, yeah. watching that. I saw more of the Dream Team in 92 than I saw of the Boomers. Yeah, and look, you can understand why a lot of people wanted to see the Dream Team. But geez, it was hard. But it's so funny because we were so spoiled on the main channels. You didn't even have to go to the app much. They showed a lot of basketball on the main channels on free-to-air. And it's so funny, in the Nigeria game, which we won by about nearly 20 in the end, people were going ratchet on Twitter that they moved away from the game with like two minutes left. And it's like, guys, we did pretty well. We saw nearly the whole game and we've won comfortably. But it's just great for basketball in this country. I have to go back to one of your comments, though. Oh, yeah. Good for you not having to go to the app, Mr. I don't have kids that take over the TV. (laughs) I lived on that app because I couldn't get my fucking TV. Yeah. You make your life choices. I wish I'd had bloody Jess Fox's condoms. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Shui, while I'm crying with laughter, did you shed a tear when when the boomers won? Mate, I didn't cry at my own wedding. I, I don't cry. I, I'm not a crier either, but I've got to admit. And it was so weird. It was the Andy Ma video with Andrew Gaze when he walked in for Shinya and just the relief. And when he was talking about how, what did he say? Like there was only like 500 registered basketballers back in 1956 or whatever. Yeah. I welled up. 
I welled up. I didn't cry, but I did well up. And, for, and for what record, a wonderful! Oh, for so the record, good. I'm not professing to be this like no, no, no over, just being honest. over the top manly bloke. Yeah. I just don't have tear ducts that yeah. work very well. No, I've, I've seen you knitting in the grandstand. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we said we'd never speak of that. No, no shame. All right, sure. You know what that music means. What do you have for? Geez, am I apt to go back and watch the Australian Bangladesh T20 from the last <laughs> night? Oh my god, why do we no, suck so much? No, no, no. No, what I'm out for this week, unsurprisingly, it's Western Derby time, baby. Ah, yes. Very important one for the Eagles trying to hold on to one of the last two final spots so we can be bundled out in embarrassing fashion by the Swans or Lions. <laughs> How about yourself, mate? Well, I'm looking forward to watching the NFL draft. It's been sitting on my fetch for probably over a month now as I prepare for my fantasy NFL team coming up very soon. Also need to watch a lot more AFL as we head into the finals. Until next time, I'm Nath. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplugs.